Don't check your podcast radio dial or station. This is Pioneer 6, Lieutenant Colonel John J.D. Davis and the Rugged Professionals of Pioneer Squadron, and we're doing a Kill Tank Radio Takeover. What's unique about us is that at a moment's notice, we can just flip gears and fight as infantry. You don't have to actually wait for someone to come and decon you if you are out there. No one really cares about us until you can't talk. I think the most important ground uh, maneuver elements for MI to really engage with would be, in fact, engineers uh, and scouts. Whatever change you're looking at, if you don't implement that change starting from yourself, you're just wasting your time. So in the room with me today, I have five rugged professionals from Pioneer Squadron as well. They represent a diverse background and group that's capable of doing a lot of things on behalf of Squadron and the regiment. So I'm going to go ahead on and pass it around and turn it over to our team to introduce themselves so you can get to know them a little bit, get to know what they do for the regiment. I'm Sergeant Helms, and I'm a striker gunner here in the Regimental Engineer Squadron, and I'm with the Argonaut Sapper Platoon. I'm Staff Sergeant Ayani with Beast Troop. We take care of everything, kind of mobility and survivability positions and supporting the maneuverability of all the other squadrons. This is Staff Sergeant Bishop, and I am the Seaburn Reconnaissance Platoon Sergeant, and I'm here for the regiment within the Lakota Troop. And then I am uh, Sergeant Pinkerton. I am with the analytical control element from Delta Troop. I'm Second Lieutenant Wessinger from 1st Platoon Chaos Troop. My platoon supports the regimental talk, make sure we provide our upper tactical internet and lower tactical internet. Okay, well, I greatly appreciate you all giving a a brief rundown on your background and touching on a little bit of kind of what you provide and what you do. I think we can go ahead on and expound upon that a little bit more because a lot of the things you all said are highly intriguing to me. Just to start off and share it first. So I'm a squadron commander. I'm in charge of about 541 pioneers. The unique thing about our squadron is that we have six different troops with 14 different platoons with 63 different MOSs. The way I like to view it is there's a lot of strength that comes from diversity in our army, in our culture, and in our uh, backgrounds. And I think Pioneer Squadron is an excellent example of that because with all the different MOSs, capabilities, and different platoons that we have, there's a lot of strength that comes from the diverse mission sets, capabilities, and backgrounds of our squadron and the service members within it. I think it really helps us be able to meet the RCO's intent and answer the RCO's challenge whenever called upon to provide mobility, counter-mobility, mission command and command and control, and military intelligence analyst synthesis and, and on behalf of the regiment. As the senior leader, I help to make sure all of our capabilities are employed correctly and are trained, ready, and capable of meeting the regimental commander's intent across the European theater or in support of decisive action tasks we may need to accomplish. So I'm going to pause there and allow you all to expound upon some of your backgrounds because, Sergeant Bishop, I was highly interested in a lot of the uh, capabilities that you mentioned from the Severny platoon that we have in the regiment. If you could expound on that a little bit more. The Seaburn platoon, we provide commanders with on-the-move Seaburn ISR so they can make informed decisions on the battlefield. In the event that we suspect there's chemical or biological, radiological, even uh, nuclear threats on the battlefield, we will go ahead, we'll be the ones in front, go out and detect and determine if that area is feasible for our, our troops to be in. And we send that information back to the commanders and they make the decision as to whether they're going to move forward or we will provide them with alternate routes or areas for them to maneuver. 
Sergeant Bishop, you know, I, I'm a little uh, dated here. I've been in the Army for a little bit, about to hit 18 years of service. I can remember when our chemical folks used to do decontamination operations. Are you all capable of that with your little platoon? Mounted reconnaissance which is our speciality. But as Seaburn soldiers or 74 Deltas, we are trained to do our own personal decon in the event that it happens. We have other assets that can assist us if we're out there to decon us after we complete our mission. No, that's great. And I will say that... uh if anybody doesn't remember anything else about the regiment's Suburni platoon, it's you never know whenever we're out there on the battlefield. It could be right now that you need the regiment's Suburni platoon. So make sure you know their capabilities and you know what they can do. Hey, Sergeant Pinkerton, I know you mentioned some interesting things about the regiment's military intelligence company. I was wondering if you could expound on those. For the intelligence company, uh, for the regiment, what we do is we provide sensors and analysis of data points. Uh, we kind of act like the nervous system for the regiment itself. We have platoons, SEMA, that embed with the scouts, as well as UAS, unmanned aerial uh, reconnaissance elements, that will go and collect those data points. My specific role within the MI and my platoon's role is we bring in all that data, assess it for what's important and what it means, and we send it back out. Sergeant Pinkerton, you brought up one thing that was interesting to me. The regiment's military intelligence company is like the nervous system because it sounds very interesting. The idea that the nervous system, you all are sensing up at all at all times and then providing analysis and recommendations to commanders. There's the classic adage of every soldier is a sensor. If MI is working effectively, then that communication is going both ways. We should be uh, bringing in reports from every element. So if you if you don't think something may or may not be important, and you're just a soldier with a radio, uh, because the more data points and the more sensory things that we have coming in, uh, the better assessments we can make to then hopefully send back out and give everybody more situational awareness on the battlefield. I appreciate you highlighting the fact that every soldier is a sensor and that every soldier can get in a fight. For everybody on the net, I'm a uh, engineer through and through. As an engineer, we always say essayons or- Let us try. Let us try, or another way to say it is uh, in Germany, you know, hold my beer. <laughs> or hold my Hefeweizen. Uh, I'm going to go do this. So we've got some engineers in the room, and I just wanted to ask them and, and give them an opportunity to expound upon what they provide to the regiment as we uh, kind of remove the uh, enemy and the terrain from the maneuver commander. So in our sapper platoon, we not only provide mobility, counter mobility, and survivability support, but what's unique about us is that at a moment's notice, we can just flip gears and fight as infantry. So we can engage the enemy shape the battlefield however commanders think that they should shape it and provide that support to our maneuver elements. No, hey, that's a great comment, Sergeant Holmes. And I know uh, within the last month, finished a uh, rotation. We called it Dragoon Ready 21, but it was a rotation to Hohenfels to JMRC. And I know you all kind of got to do your own defense. The Argonauts did, Alpha Troops. So any thoughts on how that went or any experiences you learned from it as an engineer fighting your own defense as infantry? It was a really unique experience for me personally because I've never actually got to do that mission set. We were tasked with rear area defense and we just proved our versatility by securing the rear area. As enemies were coming through, we hunted them down and, and we killed them, sir. Sergeant Helms, though, I was highly proud of Argonaut's uh, hard work in the southern portion of the maneuver area at JMRC and, and holding and turning north the enemy elements as they attempted to penetrate the regiment's defense. And dare I say, in Pioneer, we pride ourselves on being rugged professionals that uh, enable the regiment to kill tanks. But you and your sapper platoon down there were an excellent example of, you know, we can kill tanks too, right? Absolutely, sir. Yes. 
Hey, Sar Nayani, you're here with us as well. I know you all deal with the horizontal or uh, construction side of things. Just wondering if you could give us some thoughts on that and Beast Troop and some of the capabilities you all bring to the fight. Beast Troop is comprised of three major sections. Uh, we have the separate platoon, the RCP platoon, which is kind of like the reconnaissance platoon. Uh, they go out and do a clearance for like the road to make sure there are no IEDs and there are no obstacles placed by the enemy that could obstruct a mission set on that road. And then we have the mobility support platoon. We actually have the dozers and the graders and some of like the excavation equipment. We go about making sure the commander's intent are met as far as like dinging them in and making sure they're properly in place in different areas wherever they want. So if you can control land, you can control the battle. So that's where we come in and actually make sure everything is set to enable the maneuver squadrons to actually be able to carry out their task without being held down by the intent of the enemy. We can destroy whatever we want and then we can build it right back. You know, sorry to put you on the spot a little bit. <laughs> From your perspective, what can our soldiers use, look for as indicators that, hey, the enemy is here, the enemy is shaping the earth or the enemy is clearing the way in order to better prepare all of us to, you know, close with, engage and destroy. One thing that we look for in the Sapper Platoon are like high speed avenues of approach, things that the enemy or ourselves would like to close off or at least divert the enemy away from that area. So a focus is on those areas, just looking for uh, any kind of wire obstacles, anything uh, such as like a triple strand or, you know, 11 row. And then if we see things like that, areas that the enemy has possibly closed off, then we, we start there and, and work our way out. This is what I was talking about, sir, with like the two-way communication. So I know what you guys are looking for. So if I have uh, Joe Snuffy, who's like, hey, I'm seeing C-Wire out here and I know we didn't place it, then I can take that and I can send it back to you all um, and do my job a little bit better as well. And sir, that's the reason why the res is so awesome because we don't only operate in one space only. We can destroy and we can build it back up. Correct. That's why we love the res. That concept, the cyber, the EW, the signal realm, I mean, that's all about how we as rugged professionals enable multi-domain okay. success because we're in all these different domains. Correct. And then of course we strive for excellence by getting better every day. And that's how we achieve success and achieve the end state for the regimental commander. But I like how you brought up different domains because yes, I believe we have a signalier uh, that can give us some details on if you can't talk, you can't fight. That's right, sir. If you can't talk, you can't fight. Um, uh, we have a lot of different assets we can use um, in order to provide commanders that command and control that they're going to need to um, talk to one another. What we do is we make sure that the regimental commander and all of the staff officers up in regiment um, and all the staff NCOs can talk either via the upper tactical internet and the lower uh, tactical internet. And let me explain a little bit of both so everyone kind of can understand. The upper tactical internet is going to um, really in involve uh, any shot we take when we push upper TI, which would be up to the satellite and then down back to another satellite dish. And then lower TI is gonna be your FM um, radios, anything that's kind of like line of sight that's gonna go from um, one FM ASIP radio to another. You know, every single soldier down there, it's a 10 level task they have those ASIP radios they'll be using. No one really cares about us until you can't talk. So no one's gonna <laughs> no one's going to uh, come over and say, hey, you're all doing a great job. What's gonna happen is whenever you can't talk to, the battalion commander can't talk or you can't push information to, um, from the guys on the ground, or yeah, when Sergeant Help sees a uh, blockage in the road and he's trying to communicate that to uh, our uh, Myco, it's going to be hard for him to do that. Um, and we can provide that those assets, but when we 
can't provide those assets, that's whenever people are going to start complaining. And the enemy is always trying to jam and make sure that we cannot provide um, communications because if you can't talk, you can't fight. And if you can't provide, get the information from point A to point B, it's going to be really hard for us to maneuver against the enemy. Second Lieutenant Westinger, Miles, great, great comments, great thoughts. You bring up some interesting things where in essence, the regiment signal troop is really looking to support the regimental commander, regimental mission command nodes. And with that upper TI or the actual like satellite driven communications. With that said, though, there's a lot that goes on on lower TI, like just FM radios and squelches on the net. From time to time, I've had a problem with actually talking on an FM net. Is there anything you would want to tell any junior soldiers that they should work on to make sure they could always talk on an FM radio or make sure their ASIPs are always working from your foxhole as a signalier? There's a couple things um, down the lower level. Again, ASIP radios, that's a 10 level task. Every single squad at the lower the troops they will all have asap radios uh when you go off the pace plan that's going to be your fallback because that's asap radios are usually always going to work if you don't spend the time training on your asap radios and learning how to manipulate them to your advantage then you're going to have a lot of problems um problem is we always rely on your troop uh, soldier who's probably an e4 he's a 25 um uniform and he's the one that's probably doing all of the uh making sure that you have the right comsec on that in the asap radio making sure that you're on the right net make sure you have the right julian date and you have the right time well what happens whenever you have that one guy who's in your troop and he's gone and you have your ASAP radio and you have no idea how to manipulate that radio. The biggest thing I can say is every time you roll out on the battlefield, if you're doing like a mission, you're going to the range, you're doing anything, you should make sure you're always putting radios in your trucks because I know it's really easy just to take your cell phone out. Problem is when you do that, you're you're setting yourself up for failure because you're not getting that training that you could be getting by bringing those ASAP radios every time you go somewhere. I'd like to just uh, transition slightly, and Sergeant Bishop, you started bringing up a little bit of it, but for a long time, there weren't brigade engineer battalions, which is the type of formation that we are, or uh, the regimental engineer squadron in the Army. There was a while where we had engineer brigades that had engineer battalions that supported divisions and then brigade combat teams, and they had chemical battalions, and they had MI, and there was a lot more of a, uh, a deliberate people separated out. Nowadays, we've gone to the brigade combat team, the modularity concept, and we brought the BEB or the res back. A lot of debate about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. So from you all's perspective, why do you think the res or the BEB is important to our army or important to, you know, the regiment, United States Army, Europe and Africa? Uh, because we are the only ground-based, permanently assigned brigade engineer battalion formation to USARAF. So I, I know we, uh, we have some uniqueness about us. Uh, you cannot really develop or assess anything without engineers because you need the Tangos, the Novembers, the Charlies, pretty much all the 12 series to come together to actually make a task easily possible. Uh, that's where the engineer comes in because we're not only just engineers within like the res or the BEB. We also have support uh, MOSs, Seaburn, Aerospace everything that the army really needs for a successful mission. Uh, yeah, to further expand upon what uh, Sarnayani said, I think what's unique about BEBs is that we, we, we're self-sufficient. We can go out and we can do the traditional engineer thing where we split apart and are attached to maneuver units and execute missions for them, but also we can spin up as a whole and, and go anywhere in the world and do whatever missions required at a moment's notice. From the uh, MI perspective, I think the consolidation of all the different aspects that make up what MI does, you know, a singular place, uh, allows a lot of crosstalk and communication 
that really enables better intelligence and a better oversight on the battlefield. I think the most important ground uh, maneuver elements for MI to really engage with would be, in fact, engineers uh, and scouts. Scouts, for an obvious reason, the engineers need to know what to expect. And they're getting all this fine technical data that's feeding back to us that if we weren't kind of embedded in the same area or the, or the same AO, it would be a lot more difficult to reach out and get. So while they might be operating from a talk somewhere else and we might be with the regiment and like we're not always together, when we're doing training and we're coming together on the garrison side prior to mission or, or prior to rotation or whatever it is you're doing, um, we can really pull in a lot of understanding and data that we can then translate to other people on a broader spectrum when we are apart. Great point. We cannot operate in isolation. If you look at the battle space, there's oftentimes the defensive posture that we take, and then we move and we transition into the offensive postures. For instance, Seaburn is out there. Usually we operate with the res first in the uh, defensive posture. But when we move into the offensive posture, we go ahead and we move with a regiment, you know what I mean? And we become the most forward element. Notably, we provide information, so we operate not in isolation, but together. Sergeant Bishop, great comments, because what, what brings to mind to me is one of the most unique things about the BV formation, that having all of the enablers together allows us to build scalable and tailable force packages that can move across the breadth and depth of the regiment's AO from the deep to the close to the rear fight. We can all coordinate with each other, and we can put things together and come up with ways to accomplish the regimental commander's intent and to help the regiment find ways to uh, to kill tanks. And I think we've got an excellent example of that one coming up because we're going to go as, a, as an element from our squadron. We're going to have some MI, we'll have some signal troopers, and we'll have some engineers that are going to go forward and support a Defender 2021 exercise and put a lot of our capabilities on display as we fly our shadows from the MICO as we provide upper TI support from the signal troop, and as we as engineers go up and, and uh, blow up some miklicks, some mine clearing line charges, and create some vehicular lanes through obstacles in support of our Cougar Squadron and the regimental headquarters in support of a huge exercise for USARAF Defender 2021. Sergeant Ayani, you brought up one interesting thing about the construction side of our uh, engineers. I believe recently your platoon, the mobility support platoon in, in Bravo Troop, was working on a uh, construction project to help give back and improve quality of life of service members on Rose Barrack. You could talk about that one briefly. So recently, before we even started that project, uh, we actually did another a previous project for the regiment where we proved uh, like a foot trail for soldiers to be able to have easy access from their barracks all the way through where they work in the shop at PX. We just got a recent project where we were constructing a bridge for easy access also from the barracks to attach to the previously improved foot trail. From what I saw and for what we did, I want to say actually a really good job from the soldier's perspective because they had little to no resources and then they came up with like the best ideas they could ever do. We're not just limited to just bridges or foot trails. There is multiple other constructions that we can also work on. Uh, we have first out experiences within the platoon. We can also fix, build, and destroy whatever is needed around GTA or Vilsec. Kind of leads into another thing I wanted to ask you guys because uh... What you talked about with that construction project sounds really awesome and really cool. So I just wanted to go around and ask you all, what's the coolest thing that you all get to do in your MOS, the uniqueness that you all bring to the fight, just around the horn, any thoughts on the coolest thing you do? 
There's actually a mission that comes to mind uh, immediately. So we did a rotation a couple years ago to Georgia where we got to work with their infantry. We got to use a Miklik to destroy a wire obstacle and allow them to assault through and secure an objective. And I think being able to work with another country and their military was a great experience for all soldiers of every level, just to show that not only we can work with our maneuver squadrons, but we can also work with other nations and, you know, enable commanders anywhere to meet their intent. No, that's awesome. Hey, we've been talking a lot about a mind clearing uh, line charge. Oh, yes, sir. It's, it's really cool. And uh, that mission that I just spoke about was actually the first time I'd ever used one that was live. So it was a really cool experience for uh, uh, me personally. It'll eliminate any wire obstacle that's there. I'm looking forward to blowing one up here in, in Hungary. So Bishop, anything unique from your perspective, coolest thing you've done? I know there's got to be some very interesting chemical things. So for every 74, which is the chemical seaburn uh, specialist, we have to go through the live agent chambers. It's a requirement before you become a seaburn soldier. But apart from that, I also do something spectacular every time I step into my striker because we have the capability to go into an, a contaminated environment without even raising our mop level. So we oftentimes roll out in mop level two, just in case our overpressure system on our vehicle doesn't work. We get to operate in a contaminated environment without having to go to mop level four. Troops have to go to mop level four if they're going into a contaminated environment. So that's what's special about being a mounted Seaburn platoon in a striker. I look, well, dare I say, if we ever get uh, slimed, have some sort of uh, Seaburny attack at any training event, I'm gonna come find you and those Seaburny strikers. NBC RVs, cause I need to hang out in there if I don't have to go all the way up to mop cause I'm in that vehicle and it's overpressure and you got that system so I can just stay in it. I need to come there. Absolutely, sir. Overpressure is where it's at. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, Sarb Pinkerton, any thoughts on the coolest thing you all do? Hopefully it's it's something interesting and not just playing around with on computers in the MICO. I personally am a huge fan of computers, but uh, <laughs> if I was going to say in the sense of all the uh, what everyone else is talking about, I think one of the coolest things uh, MI professionals have an opportunity to be a part of is uh, is the fires process. Artillery is awesome. King of battle, raining down on your enemies, right? But that cannot happen if the appropriate coordination between uh, sensor to shooter doesn't occur, uh, especially because of a lot of the restrictions that U.S. forces have in order to, you know, adhere to, you know, NATO and our own and Geneva and all that kind of stuff, right? When you're an MI professional and you're linking in with, you know, your OSRVT or uh, whatever you're getting your video feeds through with either like the GBS or, or the GTS, the global broadcasting system, and you are identifying those targets and you are reporting those targets up through the talk uh, directly with those artillery professionals, uh, AFATADS and all those things. I honestly don't know what the acronym AFATADS mean. I just know it's a really cool computer that lets us <laughs> shoot things uh, from very far away. Uh, and then you get to actually see those shots fired and impact through those, uh, you know, long range uh, ISR assets. That's that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool thing to be a part of. There's a saying, everybody focuses on like the last 300 meters. We're assaulting the objective. Everybody loves that portion. You know, we're going to high five and do our little dance on the objective as we take it. But everybody loses sight of the fact that like before that occurred way, way back at the beginning, there's a lot of good staff work being done by some enabler, some military intelligence soldier that's helping to figure out where the enemy's at, 
where we need to look with our ISR intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance plan, where we need to place our named areas of interest and how we then can actually target something or shoot it if we find it, identify it as enemy so that infantrymen in the close can go seize the objective. Absolutely, sir. Yeah, it's awesome. The coolest thing that I get to do every day is to lead all the rugged professionals in Pioneer Squadron. That's what just makes my week, my year, my month, my day. Every day I wake up because I'm just looking forward to hanging out with some more rugged professionals. Hey, Miles, I know you've got some good talking points from some cool signalier stuff that you're able to do. Just speaking from the cool things we have done, um, when we support the regiment or support anybody, you know, when we jump and we go to different places, it's always a new a new uh, problem set. Um, we're always trying to troubleshoot problems um, and we're dealing with multiple different types of units like and doing so every time we go to a new area, we always have to kind of uh, troubleshoot how we're going to do our job because there a lot of the uh, commanders like to pick the really worst areas to set up because they're trying to hide from the enemy, um, which makes sense because I don't want to get blown up either. It isn't always the best for us signaliers because they put us in the worst areas. We're trying to get our uh, signal coming up and we're like, this is not going to happen. So we have to be, get really creative. Um, and that's for me, that's uh, from as a PL, that's the coolest thing about my job is because I get to see a lot of these young soldiers because there's not a lot of NCOs um, in my troop. So a lot of young soldiers coming straight out of AIT, seeing how they develop themselves, how they develop as soldiers and learn their systems and, and learn how to enable the regiment with their signal assets. They have that ability is uh, sometimes challenging and it's just really rewarding to see that. As the uh, squadron commander of the res, 14 different platoons, six different troops with 63 different MOSs, I still like would be pulling my hair out if I had any trying to keep up with you guys. Hey, how hard is it for you all with all the different capabilities and all the different training glide paths, some for each platoon and then sections within platoons? What are some ways that you all have done or interesting thoughts on coordinating training for your soldiers and for your units? From the ACES platoon perspective alone, you got to get in where you fit in, right? And figure out how you can be involved in the exercises that you're on and make the most of the training. So like we'll go out and train with uh, the res itself. Uh, we'll also be roped into training from the regiment. And then we have to dissect those lists and decide, well, this is how we can meet this objective. We can kind of force this by doing this exercise during this time. And you just got to be really creative and figure out how you're important uh, as your own individual piece amongst all the other things going on. A local other troop can go over to Beast Troop. We can assist them and teach them and train them on how to uh, accurately decon yourselves. You don't have to actually wait for someone to come and decon you if you are out there. You know, you get slimed, as you mentioned earlier. Are you going to wait for someone to come in and decon you because it's a non-persistent agent? No. We teach you, like, the difference between a persistent and a non-persistent agent. And if you come across something... You know, you can decon yourself and continue the mission. So that's how my little platoon of soldiers, we just go out and we reach out to everyone. Do you need help in XYZ area when it comes to Seaburn? We just don't sit in our Lakota troop and just worry about being the mountain reconnaissance platoon. You know, we go out and we share our expertise when it comes to chemical, biological, radiological and nuclear info. No, that's great. Dare I say, uh, Sergeant Bishop, you guys may be small in size, but you have a huge impact on the fight. We love what we do. Yes. The squadron in itself is very independent. We're able, capable to work alone, even without the help of others. How do we in intertwine and actually help each other? 
You see, when you have a road, we have the RCP platoon clear that road to make sure there is no obstacle in place by the enemy. And then you have the sapper platoon who comes through after the RCP platoon to emplace some wire obstacle and some other obstacles. And then you have the mobility support platoon who is able to shape that terrain. So that's how we work with each other. Once the RCP platoon is done clearing that road, the RCP platoon also in turn provides security, including with the SAP platoon. We can provide our own security, we can shape our own terrains, and we can also emplace whatever obstacle that we choose to help support like the maneuver commanders. Yes, sir, so they all touched on really great points. And I think uh, just to bring it home, we're very independent. We have all these different elements as a part of our squadron. Training's not really an issue when it comes to that because we can all work together and we do and we can we can create our own training you know we can combine some mi elements some seaburn elements you know engineering elements all together and and just create our own unique training missions and sets and go out and execute and i think that's great you all hit the nail on the head with kind of how we're able to work well together fight independently find innovative ways to get training done uh, the one challenge that i run into as a squadron commander at times is uh we're kind of separated from the regiment at points and times because we are on tower barracks versus being on rose barracks. So sometimes it's hard for us to get the word out about what we do. And it's hard for people to know we're there and to know what to do and how to integrate us. But I think one of the biggest things that the regiment brings to the fight is combined arms operations. So you have all the elements of combat power coming together to achieve concentration or mass on the battlefield to accomplish the tasks that the regiment's been giving or the RCO's intent. And I was just going to want to ask you guys, if you wanted to tell someone like, hey, what's the best way to integrate or what have you all had success with, with getting integrated in with our sister squadrons for operations that you'd like to share or talk about or message that, hey, we can do these things. Just let us know. We'll come hang out with you guys and train with you. Just any thoughts from that perspective? just reach out if you're a leader in a good position to reach out to you know the sister uh, elements anytime argonaut troop goes out and executes a mission it's going to get done right anytime we go out the the unit that we're attached to knows that they don't have to worry about how we're going to do our job because it's just going to get done so we're we have a very good independent structure that uh, we can support whatever squadron it is to make your dreams come true really uh we can help them build whatever obstacle they decide that they want and have them breach it or we can help them in place whatever dream house that they want in a specific location in a specific time and actually make it come true within that time sir Miles, sir as rugged professionals you know we we are constantly balancing different professions because not only are we soldiers and have to be trained to like fight the enemy but we also have our own day jobs right like like some people are blowing stuff up. You're building uh, dream houses. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to training and like integrating training between uh, the regiment as a whole, I think it's uh, good to know that we also need our own training when it comes to uh, tactical training. So for, at least from the signal troop, like whenever we do training and we conduct training with the regiment, usually it's the regimental staff requesting for us to bring our system down that they can plug and play. However, we also um, try to do training with other uh, squadrons. Um, they teach us how to be tactical, how to like operate a tactical environment, how to get our striker all camoed up so that we don't get seen by the enemy. And then we can teach them again, the, the ASAP radios, how to make, how to work those. So that's a, it's a big thing because for us as, as signaliers, like we get really in the weeds with our technical equipment and we don't always practice, you know, the tactical level 
like in order to survive in an, in an environment like Dragoon Ready, whenever the enemy's always present. So it's good to um, have that the, the expertise from the squadrons. I'd like to put the onus kind of on the squadrons as individuals to be there, to, to make the time, even if you're just sending a, a single person or a high-speed specialist or an NCO or, or a lieutenant who, who can bring that back as like a train-the-trainer uh, and give what we put out because uh, we, we're constantly doing things uh, at Building 600. So we might be on graph mostly, but we're, we're kind of between you all, uh, the res, as well as the regiment too. Uh, and we're constantly putting on um, like rodeos of our different capabilities, little, uh, I think they called it like a petting zoo where uh, and specifically, we're currently working on a, a course of action where we're going to do kind of a lecture series at 600 for any uh, any of the squadron twos or really anybody uh, COVID permitted who can attend to brush up on enemy tactics, uh, what to look out for prior to this next JMRC rotation. So, so those events are out there. Um, and even if it's only one person, at least that's one extra person who has a little bit of extra knowledge on the subject. No, sorry, Pinkerton. Great comments and great comments by all. I think, uh, Sergeant Helms, you said it best with it's almost like it. Sergeant Ayani, I think you hit it as well. If anybody across the regiment, whether they're infantry, uh, calf scouts, and, and saber squadron, if you build a training event, we'll come. Yes. Just let us know in advance. We're, we're integrated, we're energetic and motivated to support the actual combined arms things that we accomplish as a regiment is what our bread and butter is. And it's some of the things we need you guys to train with us so we can actually be proficient and be able to provide the capabilities for the regiment. So I think that's just a, if you build it, we'll come, just let us know. So we've been talking for a while and uh, you know, I think I've got a, just a couple other things to bring up in, in, in closing, but I'd like to ask you all that our service members are gonna to listen to this, right? Some of your soldiers are gonna to listen to this. They'll probably laugh at you a little bit. They'll probably be a little bit happy about it. And I'd just like to ask for you all to, if you had anything that you could say to your troopers, your the people in your squad, the people in your team, the people in your platoon, uh, Sergeant Bishop and, and, and Miles, just if you had anything you wanted to give to them or say to them in closing to, to motivate them for our summer training cycle or just to tell them to continue to rally behind as they grow throughout their military careers, just anything you want to just, just leave for them or tell them while we're on the net. You are the change. It starts from you. So whatever change you're looking at, if you don't implement that change starting from yourself, you're just wasting your time. So I, I say it all the time in, in my own little leader huddles at my platoon, don't be afraid of failure. The time to fail is during those exercises so that you can learn from that um, and figure out a better way to like go forward. But if you if you are too afraid to face that adversity and too afraid to, to fail sometimes so that you can improve, then that's what causes stagnation. I'm all about positivity. You know, not every day is going to be roses and sunshine. So you take it with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? And you grow from that mistake. I did not develop this brilliance overnight. I had to grow with it. I was in your shoes. So I know what it feels like to be a soldier. To be positive, I'm going to make it out of this. I'm striving for excellence. That's where, that's where you become confident in who you are and what you can do. Just be confident. Just be positive and be flexible always. Take advantage of every training mission you can, ask the questions, get the answers, and, and just learn. A lot of people have made plenty of mistakes, as as we mentioned, but learning from your own and others, uh, I think, is is a really big key to to success in your career. So for my Foxhole, you know, Chaos Troop, um, we have to say we go hard in the paint or hard in the mud um, at Homefells. Uh, so... 
as professionals get better every day, um, learn our equipment, learn how to be proficient in our equipment and work hard every day. So, you know, we work hard, play hard at uh, Chaos Troop. No, great comments. And, uh, you know, if, if I had to give all the rugged professionals in Pioneer Squadron, all the pioneers a note from me as their squadron commanding officer, it would be to focus on the deed and not the reward. I dare I say, if you keep doing the deed and you do it well, one day you're going to get your reward. Exactly. So if you just keep on doing great things, and performing at a high level, you're going to end up getting promoted. You're going to end up progressing in the army and in life. You're going to end up being a productive member of society. Just focus on the deed and one day you'll get your reward. Hey, so that's a good opportunity for us to say thanks for hanging out with the rugged professionals for a little bit and our, you know, pioneer kill tank radio takeover. We've had a great time talking to you. Uh, we're always around. We're on tower barracks primarily, but we hang out on Rose barracks as well. And we look forward to coming to a uh, training event or training uh, FTX near you in the future, whether it be at Saber Junction, Saber Guardian. We look forward to seeing you guys out in the field. We're honored to serve with you. We're proud to be Dragoons. If you want to know anything about Pioneer and Closing, look, we're rugged professionals Amen. that enable multi-domain success <laughs> and strive for excellence by getting better every day. And we look forward to serving and training with you. That's all I got. This is Pioneer 6 out. Hey, this is Pioneer Six, and I'm throwing down a personal challenge to any leader or any subject matter expert across the regiment. Hey, I came in here with all the rugged professionals today. We were nervous a little bit, but we fought through it and had a great time doing a Kill Tank Radio takeover session. So I challenge you all to come up with some innovative ideas and support the RCOs and the RCSMs Kill Tank Radio and come in here and, and record your own session and share some of your wealth and experience with the rest of the Dragoons and the Army. 